That uh, video is a promo for the next series that we're going to start next week, and it is called Correcting Christian Cliché. And uh, what, what we're doing, as you guys can see in that series, is uh, we are going to try to think about some of the things that, um, that people say, that Christians say, some of the things actually that I've said, I bet some of you guys have said, and, uh, and, and things that aren't necessarily bad or wrong, uh, and certainly things that have a really good intent, but sometimes said in the wrong context um, are, are really not that helpful. And, uh, and, and hopefully, you know, uh, I think that you'll find as we take a theological dive into some of that and really think about what is being said there and what the Bible actually says, uh, you guys are going to find that helpful. And, um, and we'll have a little less visits by the cliche fairy. Um, Thank you, Christopher, for putting that together. That was amazing. Um, that'll kick off next week. Okay, this week, uh, as you guys know, we get to celebrate um, two years of ministry here at, at Redeemer. Two years ago, yeah, it's so awesome. Um, okay, uh, two years ago, mid-October, we had our very first public worship service. And, uh, and man, I, I, it's really hard to believe that that is true. Like, it was two years ago. It was really two years ago. It, um, uh, it's only been two years ago. Like, like it's, just, it's just crazy to think that uh, one of the things I was thinking about this last week is um, two years ago, I didn't know most of you. Uh, and so many of you guys didn't know each other. And just to, just to think about everything God has done in, in, and through this place, and, and like Thea said, in and through you. You know, the church is always about the people that are in it. And um, I just, I, I, I just want to say it is such an honor and a privilege to get to be the pastor here, to get to serve uh, you guys, to, to, to lead you guys, to look and to try to discern um, what is God's will, and, and, and to walk in it with, with you guys. And so I, I'm just, it's just truly an honor. I'm, I'm, I, I really am thankful for every single one of you guys. Um, as we uh, kind of just take some time to think about two years today, I, I, our message today is titled, uh, Learning to Pray Bigger Prayers. Learning to Pray Bigger Prayers. And uh, it comes to us from a passage in Genesis that actually is kind of obscure. Uh, many of you may have never heard it before, um, but I ran across it uh, kind of devotionally a couple months ago and have not been able to get it out of my head ever since because it, it talks about prayer and it just really speaks to some things that God has been working through in my heart and um, I'm hoping and praying has been working through, uh, we'll work through you guys today as we, as we open his word. So if you want to grab the Bible in the front of your seat or you brought one, that's awesome. Genesis 24, 12 through 14, or want to go there on your phones now, um, you can do that. While we are getting ready to hear God's word, why don't we go ahead and, and pray? Let's pray. Lord Jesus, Heavenly Father, Holy Spirit, we come before you today so thankful for um, the incredible uh, work that you have done in our lives, Lord, that started... Um, uh, the, the moment Adam and Eve disobeyed in the garden and that came to culmination on the cross of Jesus and then by the power of your Holy Spirit is at work in, in each and every single one of us 
uh, today, Lord. And we, we just give you thanks that as we are part of this church, we join with uh, a group of faithful who have been uh, following you and knowing you for, for ages, for millennia, Lord. And, um, and we, we just come before you today, opening your word, asking that you would speak to us specifically right here and right now in this context, in our individual lives, Lord, and then also as a church. Um, would your Holy Spirit be at work? Would our minds be ready? Would our hearts be soft enough to hear that, that, that unique thing that you would be saying to each and every one of us? It's in your name, Jesus, who are our rock and our redeemer that we pray. Amen. <clears throat> Genesis 24, verses 12 through 14. <clears throat> then he prayed, Lord, God of my master Abraham, Make me successful today and show kindness to my master Abraham. See, I am standing beside this spring, and the daughters of the townspeople are coming out to draw water. May it be that when I say to a young woman, please let down your jar that I may have a drink, and she says, drink, and I'll water your camels too, let her be the one you have chosen for your servant Isaac. By this I will know that you have shown kindness to my master. Okay, that is a very obscure passage. We're, we're literally just dropping down into the middle of the Bible. So let me give you some context. Uh, Genesis 24, what we're doing is we're following this multi-part promise, a covenant that God made uh, to Abraham that one day uh, he would, he would uh, be the father of a great nation. Um, that one day he would have a land, that one day God would bless all the peoples of the world through him. And in Genesis chapter 24, part of that promise is becoming a reality because uh, Abraham and his wife Sarah, who were unable to have kids before and who now were well beyond their childbearing years, have been blessed with this incredible gift of, of a son in Isaac. And um, and so part of the promise has come true. There will indeed be a next generation. There is a next generation. But if Abraham's descendants are going to number the stars, if they're going to become a great nation, you need more than Isaac, right? You've got to have multiple generations, a lot of kids. And as any good parent knows, if you want grandkids, right, probably the best way to go about that is to get your kids married first. And so that is what is happening here in this passage. This is the story of, uh, of Isaac getting married. And, and it didn't work, as many of you know, like it does today. Uh, Sarah, Isaac's mom, didn't say, hey, Isaac, have you met any nice Jewish girls lately? Uh, the, the way that it worked is that uh, Sarah, Isaac's mom, would say, here is a Jewish girl, and she's going to be your wife. Marriages were arranged in this day. It was a much different time, and this is the story of the arranged marriage of Isaac. And, um, and just on a side note here, with four kids and the way the dating scene is today, Shannon and I are really giving this serious consideration for our, our own family. So if anybody wants to talk in 10 years, um, except my daughter's off limits, just, just letting you know that. Uh, <clears throat> so I'm not sure why Abraham does it this way. 
But in the passage before uh, the part that we read, Abraham decides to go find his son a wife by actually having a servant go and do it. He sends a servant on a mission. And so he calls this trusted servant in, and he tells him what he's going to do, and he makes him swear this oath to let him know how serious this is going to be. And then uh, he sends him on his way. And we follow this, and the point at which we started to read our scripture is, is the point at which the servant is there in the land uh, where Abraham came from, looking for someone from the same tribe to, f- to find Isaac a wife. And uh, he's standing by the spring, and, uh, and he's looking at the ladies. It's a really interesting thing. And, um, and so this is how uh, this passage begins again. Here's the, the first part of this prayer. Uh, verse 12, Lord, God of my master Abraham, Make me successful today and show kindness to my master, Abraham. Lord, God of my master, Abraham, make me successful today. So when I think about prayer, um, this this first bit, this first bit of verse 12 is really normal, right? This is a simple request that he's making. Here's a man with a mission, and he's asking for God's help in accomplishing that mission. Even though um, when we read this today, it might seem odd that he starts, God of my master Abraham, right? That seems impersonal, a little distant. That was actually a very normal uh, way to relate to God in those days. And it doesn't mean that this servant didn't believe in God himself. It means actually what he's doing is that he's calling on this relationship that he knows God made with his master Abraham. And he's saying uh, to God, I'm making this request to you right now because I know you made a promise to Abraham. What I'm doing is part of this promise, and so make me successful today. Keep your promise. This is a simple, normal prayer request that, uh, that we all know in prayer. Uh, and, and when you think about your repertoire of prayer, this is probably right there uh, where most of our prayers are. Uh, I've prayed a lot of prayers that sound just like verse 12. Uh, I bet you have too. God, you are my God. I'm asking for your help in this thing. And then throughout our lives, every day, oftentimes we fill in the blanks. Help me uh, get the housework done that needs to get done today. Help me get my homework done. Lord, help me figure out what to do about the car and about the kids. Uh, you know, show kindness to me in this presentation. This is a prayer that we pray. You guys are, are probably very familiar with this kind of prayer. Nothing unusual. <clears throat> in the first part of this prayer. However, it wasn't the first part of this prayer that really stuck me uh, with this passage. It was the second part, verses 13 and 14. And so let me read you now uh, part two. See, I am standing beside this spring, and the daughters of the townspeople are coming out to draw water. May it be that when I say to a young woman, please let down your jar that I may have a drink, and she says, drink, and I'll water your camels too. Let her be the one you have chosen for your servant Isaac, right? So that's a different kind of prayer than, than the one in verse 12, right? I, I think maybe you can see that. It, it's different in a lot of ways. No longer is this servant just saying, God, would you be kind to me and help me in some general way with this thing that's ahead of me? He is instead uh, naming the specific moment that he's living in, and he's saying, God, I want you to move in it right here and right now. 
right? Uh, I, I, I am standing beside the spring. See, God, here I am beside the spring. And the daughters are coming out, right? He's naming that moment. And then what he does is he, he describes a reality that he's asking God for that he has virtually no control over whatsoever, right? Uh, 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 and yet he says to God, uh, this is, is how I'm going to expect you to act. When this happens, I'm going to take that as you moving within it, right? Uh, here are all these women, eligible women, coming out for a drink. And, and if I go to them and I, and, I, and I ask them for a drink and they say, drink, and then, and this was the key, they say, we'll give your camel's water too. God, I'm going to take it that she's, she's the one. That's how I'm going to understand you, you acting. And that is such a bold, bold prayer, right? Um, to, to ask for that exact action, to say, God, I, I'm waiting for this exact response to me. Uh, it, it's, it's really bold. Um, I mean, think about the variables with something like that, right? I mean, what, what if he's there all day and, and this never happens, right? No girl talks to him. No girl offers to, to give drink to his camel. How's he supposed to understand that, right? What, what, what if... <laughs> What if it does happen, and uh, a, a woman asks to give water to his candle, his camels, and he's like looking at her and meeting her, and he's like, "Isaac's mom is not gonna like this girl," you know? <laughs> like, like what if, what if he just like it doesn't seem right? You know, how's he, how's he supposed to understand this? What if it's just a coincidence that had to be going through his mind? What if he's forcing something? How do you know, right? And, and yet. What is so incredible about this passage is as it continues, um, the very first girl that, that steps out uh, and he sees there, he asks for a drink, she gives him a drink, and she offers to water his camels. And this becomes uh, Rebecca, the matriarch, who marries Isaac, who becomes one of the, 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 the godmothers of the entire uh, tribe of Israel. God... Uh, answers this prayer. God honors this prayer. God acts through this really, really bold, specific prayer. And you know, I've been wrestling this with this because certainly um, we all know that uh, prayer is not a blank check, right? We've been talking about that. You just can't in any moment uh, for any reason just say, God, in whatever situation, I want you to act in this way right here and right now, and I'm going to take that as being you. Um, but, but at the same time, uh, understanding that, I, I think the reason this passage has really stuck with me it, is because it's so different than the way that I pray. My prayers sound nothing like the prayers of this servant in this passage. Uh, any, anybody else notice that in, in your own prayer life, right? I, I don't pray like this. In fact, I'm afraid to pray like this. I am afraid to pray big, bold, specific prayers. And that's true even when I want good, God-centered things. I, I find fear in my heart when it comes to praying things like this. And, and just to be clear, it's not because I don't believe God can't or doesn't do uh, big, bold things in answering prayer. I have no doubt in God's creative ability to answer prayers in, in incredible ways that are beyond what we could see or imagine, right? My hesitation isn't rooted in doubt about God, uh, but in doubt instead about myself, right? That's why I'm afraid to, 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 to ask and pray in this bold way, because I, I'm 
I have doubts about myself and my ability to discern what God's will is. It's that I don't feel like I know enough to say in any given situation, God, this is what needs to happen. This is what I'm going to expect to happen, and then I'm going to expect you to be working in that as I, as I see it. it. It's also with all my failings and deep awareness of my own sin and weakness that I know I also don't see things as I always should. Certainly, I don't have like the full view of things as God has it, and so I'm scared to pray big, bold prayers, right? And I bet many of you are too for the same reason. But um, here is one of the things that God's really been working on my heart as I've wrestled with this. Uh, didn't the servant in this passage also have those same limitations that, that I do? D- didn't he? Yeah, a limited perspective, personal failing, sin, that was all true of him. Uh, and, and yet he prays boldly, and yet God answers his bold prayer. And wasn't Jesus also aware of, of who we are and all of our failings and limitations when he himself told us to pray big pr- prayers, when he looked at his disciples and looked at a mountain and said, if you tell this mountain to fall into the sea, Jesus was fully aware of who we were when he told us to do that. When he said, go ask and seek and knock and God will answer and he will help you find and he will open the door, right? As, as I do some soul searching there and I think about that, what I, what I realize is really at, at the heart of that fear uh, in tempering my ability to, to pray bold things are really some things that, that are not so good and things that I think may not fully honor God. And, uh, and let me just share what, what I think those are. This is probably the biggest one. I'm afraid to play, pray boldly because I'm afraid to fail. I'm afraid to pray boldly because I'm, I'm afraid to fail. Anybody relate to that? I, I'm afraid of failure. In fact, if I was to be honest with you guys, I really, I, I hate failure. Um, I hate failing. I, uh, I th- have just started to realize over the last couple of years that um, I think my fear of failure actually affects more of my day-to-day activity than I am, I am ever even aware of. And, uh, and I just don't want the pain of failure. I don't want to ever look like a failure. I don't want to lose the resources that seem to be lost when there is a failure. I don't want to fail, right? And, and that's where my heart is, except this is one of the things that God has also been, been working with me on is, is that uh, failure, uh, as I think many of us know, is actually a necessary ingredient to success, Failure is, is part of succeeding. And if we want to succeed in something, we've actually got to learn to step out and do it and be okay with not only the possibility, but the probability, the very likely uh, probability of failing at that thing along the way. And, you know, I, I, uh, I saw, got, got to see this illustrated in a really incredible way uh, uh, a number of weeks ago. I, I was able to go to New York City as a part of a continuing ed program to study innovation as uh, as a young pastor, and um, we got to go to Google's offices in uh, in New York City. And Google, and all the things that it is, they know how to innovate. They are really really good at what they do, terrifyingly good at what they do. And, uh, and so we got to go through the whole building and get a tour and ask questions with one of their executive folks. And, um, 
And uh, there, was, there was something that they showed us that really stuck with me. Um, Google had this stairwell that nobody was using, and they really wanted, for all kinds of reasons, to get their employees to start using. And so what they did is they spent all this money researching how to get people to use stairs and then, and then building this enormous, beautiful stairwell in the middle of, of their uh, facility. If we could show that picture. Um, that is a picture of what they ended up with. And in the middle of the stairwell is this uh, series of, uh, those are fiber optic cables that stretch from the roof all the way down to the bottom. And what they uh, were, were planning to do was to do all this work on the stairwell and then through the light, uh, what would happen is those fiber optic car- cables would really light up and be beautiful in the stairwell. Except when they, after they, you know, wrote it up and did all this publicity, um, it didn't work. Um, <laughs> it, it failed miserably. Like on the sunniest day, just the tip of that, of those fiber optic cables lit up, right? And, and this was Google, right? And so if anybody should have known that that's not how fiber optics work, it should have been Google, right? They spent millions of dollars on this and, and utterly failed at it. And, uh, and, and what, what they did, and this is what I actually very much appreciated, is they left it there as a monument to say it's okay to fail. Um, if we want to succeed, we're going to have to remember that it takes some pretty massive failures. And so they have this worthless fiber optic, you know, slide of cables uh, in the middle of, of this stairwell. And, um, and it's just such a good lesson that, 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 that if we want to succeed at something, we have to be willing to step out and to be okay at failing. That's true in all endeavors of life, but specifically, it's true also in praying big prayers, right? Even if I am concerned that God may not answer the prayer that I want uh, that I'm praying for, uh, that, that shouldn't keep me from being willing to pray it, right? Uh, he, here's, here's another thing, and this is just brutally honest. This is the other reason I'm, I'm sometimes afraid to pray big prayers. I, I'm afraid to pray boldly because I don't want to be anything like a televangelist. <laughs> uh, just being honest here. Uh, so, some of y'all, uh, you know, I, I remember as a kid on like Saturdays when there was absolutely nothing to watch on television, going through the channels and you'd run into like Christian programming. And I remember some of those guys prayed bold prayers, right? And, uh, and that stuck in my mind and, um, you know, and a lot of the stuff that's happened with, yeah, I won't get into it, but I, I just don't want to have that kind of association and there are plenty of name-it-and-claim-it preachers who, who do it, who are not scared to pray bold prayers. And so I think it puts a bad taste in our, our mouths, and we don't want to have that association. And, and, and that's true, and that's part of what's going on in my heart, and I bet for a lot of you too. But here's the other thing that I remember, <laughs> that, that, that uh, when the Holy Spirit came and filled the disciples in one of the most powerful ways uh, that has ever happened, people looked at them as they spoke in tongues and said they must be drunk. Right? And, and so there are times when following Jesus faithfully is going to make us just have some negative associations, when it's going to, go, going to uh, make our self-image be not probably what we always want it to. Peter said we are strangers and aliens in the world, and that's something that we got to embrace. And th- those are some of the reasons why I'm afraid to pray big, pro- bold prayers. But what God has been putting on my heart 
um, is that I just got to get over some of this stuff and go for it and start praying some of the prayers that really honor the big, bold God uh, who, who can do incredible things. I need to not let my fear of failure masquerade as wisdom. We don't need to let our uneasiness with vulnerability keep us from following Jesus like he's calling us to in whatever given moment. We need to pray big prayers and sometimes just leave them out there, whatever happens, uh, to, to, to pray those prayers and to believe that God really does want to work through the things that we lift up to him. Uh, what if God really wants to answer that bold prayer that is on your heart? Um, I, I just want to share a story here. Um, I had a professor in seminary um, named Dr. Donjel, Joseph Donjel, and he went on a beach vacation with his family to the, to the ocean, and they stayed with this, this very nice Christian family that they kind of knew. And, uh, and this family gave them tickets to go whale watching. And so um, they went out that morning to go see, see the whales, and they got there and discovered the likelihood of seeing a whale was, was pretty low, very low, because it had been three weeks and nobody had seen any whales. The whales were just not around. They were missing. And so the woman that they were staying with um, <laughs> heard this and, and said, let's pray. And so she gathered everybody up, I think Christians and non-Christians alike, and just gathered people up into a circle and, and Dr. Donjal said, this is, this is what he remembers her prayer being. Lord, the Donjals and these people have come a long, a long way, and they're here to see some whales, and we know there haven't been any seen, but we ask that they would see some whales. God, bring up the whales from the bottom of the ocean. Bring them up from the bottom of the ocean, in Jesus' name, amen. <laughs> and uh, Dr. Donjal said, um, he was like trying to protect his kids like during this prayer. <laughs> he said he didn't know what to do about it. Like it was so strange and he just kept thinking like, uh, man, God does not care that much whether or not we see some whales. Um, and so whatever, they got in the boat and they went out and um, they got to where the whales were and uh, those whales came up from the bottom of the ocean. Uh, he said they were, they were everywhere. They were all over the place, and they did everything that's possible for a whale to do, right? Like they flapped their fins on their sides, right? They blew out water from their holes. They took their tails, and they wiggled them on the top. They recited Shakespeare. And, um, and Donjal said he, was just, he just couldn't believe it. It really was unbelievable. And the guide who was there, just to, to top it all off, who had seen thousands of whale sightings, got out his video camera and said, I've never seen anything like this ever before. <laughs> right? And it was, it was a response, it was an answer to this lady's big, bold, incredible prayer. And, um, you know, uh, I, I, it's just this passage those kind of things have just been on my heart because I just, what if God really does want to answer those prayers? Like, what if he, he really is just uh, moving us to ask and we just have the courage to give them voice, right? What, what if we prayed, the, prayed more of the big, bold prayers that honored the God who is big and bold and through whom all things are possible? I, I, uh, I would urge you, um, 
if God's moving to, to try to pray some of those prayers for your own life, not to be scared of them. But um, I just want to share with you guys some of the prayers that God has been working with me to start praying for our church. The, these are some big, bold prayers that I'm praying for our church this, this next year. Here's the first one. God, transform the lives of 50 people. God, transform the lives of 50 people. Uh, I, I want God, I've been praying for God to do something transformative, life-changing in the lives of 50 people. And maybe some of those are, are here, some of those are you, maybe some of those are folks that are not here yet. But um, this is at the heartbeat of who we are and what, what we do. We believe that God absolutely can change lives, and he does, and he wants to do it. And maybe 50 is a big number. It feels big to me, but I know that it's nothing for God, and that God, through the power of the Holy Spirit, might be working and nudging on some of your lives right now, and I would encourage you to step out and do those things so that there is a, a year from now a way that you can look back and measurably see and say, God transformed and changed my life in this way. This is one of the things that I'm praying for our church this next year. Here's the second. God, open us up to build deeper, more faithful friendships. Open us up to build deeper, more faithful friendships. This is so important, and I think that it is, it's probably related to the first prayer request, but um, it's just something God's put on my heart. We have always wanted for people not to just come to church and to have uh, uh, friends on a surface level, but to find among some folks here some real meaningful, deep uh, friendship that is faith-based, right? Where we have a common commitment to Jesus Christ, and because our lives are both headed in that direction, uh, we are open and honest and vulnerable with each other to see the transformative work that God is able to make happen. And, and, and I, I've seen God do that, and I just am asking God to do it more. And, and if you, if you want to have some of those relationships in your life, man, I'm praying for it. Take the first step. Find a friend. Open up. Be honest. And let's see uh, w- what God can do in that. Here's the last thing that I've been praying for, and this is probably the biggest one. God, help us not to limit what you can do through Redeemer. Help us not to limit what you can do through Redeemer. Uh, you know, when I think about two years ago, and what I thought God, what I was hoping God would do here, in the best way possible, that has not happened. <laughs> God has moved in so much greater ways than I was asking. Much bigger, bolder answer to my meager, weak prayers. And, uh, and, and there is so much in two years that we can give thanks for, right? We have seen dozens, dozens, hundreds of families connect here at Redeemer to a new life, to finding faith here. We have celebrated new baptisms. We've grown in a community to what is now 16 growth groups. We have kids coming out of every orifice in this building. (laughs) We are looking towards a future uh, to figure out how we're going we're gonna to keep being faithful. We've been given a gift of, of a half million dollars uh, to, to make that future possible. We, we uh, are, are, are just so blessed. And, uh, and from a th- group of 30 people, we have seen God move in such great ways. And, um, oh yeah, we survived a flood in the middle of all that as well, right? And got to see God's faithfulness and trustworthiness in it. And, and really, I think that the temptation for me uh, has been to sit in that and just to be in awe and to give thanks to God and say, God, you did it. 
thank you for coming alongside us. I'll take a rest now, right? Um, but just consistently in my heart for the last, honestly, it's been six, seven, eight months, like I just sense God saying, David, you'll get your rest, but, but I, I'm showing you something, right? I want to show you that there's something bigger that's possible, right? This, the gift in what God has already done is to see God's trustworthiness as he calls us into a future. And, and what the Holy Spirit has been putting in me is this restlessness to, to keep moving forward to, to say, God, what do you want to do here? And, and so my heart for us as a church is to be faithful to that, to not be afraid or overly intimidated by the work or the largeness of what it is, but instead to wisely step forward into a future that truly requires faith. Right? To, 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 to discern a future, but to do one that actually takes faith and to trust in the God who's already shown us that he's faithful. Right, To say, yes, I will. And, uh, and so, friends, let me just close this morning by asking you, would you, would you pray bigger prayers with me for our church? Would, would you seek the heart of God with me in this for your life? Um, and, and would you be open to whatever God is going to answer that? There are lives whose eternal future is in the balance. There are people who need to know an abundant life and have friends right here and right now in this community. And I really believe God wants to continue to reach them through us here. And so I just pray that we'd be open to that future. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you. Um, we thank you for this day. And we thank you for all the incredible gifts that you've, that you've given us here for all the incredible people who you've put here, for all the ways that you're working in our life that you will continue to work. And Lord, we, uh, I confess to weak prayers. I confess to wanting to limit what you're doing. But Jesus, I, I, I pray that I'd step out of the way and yield, and we would yield to, to you making changes for the kingdom here, Lord, that you, you would do your good work and we, we would see your hand and praise your name, Jesus, for the good work that you've done, bringing your kingdom, which is in heaven, here to this community through Redeemer. We pray that in Jesus' name. Amen.